Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Financial Independence Podcast, the podcast where I get inside the brains of some of the most influential personal finance writers to find out their take on financial independence. I'm excited to introduce my guest today. It's the Frugal Woods. Um, if you read their blog, you know they refer to themselves as a couple of frugal weirdos that live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, and they're planning to retire to a homestead in Vermont over the next couple of years. I actually had the pleasure of meeting the Frugal Woods uh, in September when we were both at a conference together, and uh, we, we spent the whole weekend together, had a blast, and uh, yeah, they're really great people, so I'm excited to get them on the show and you know sort of talk about their extreme frugality, which you know if you read their blog, you, you know that some of the stuff is quite extreme, but um, it doesn't seem to impact their lives at all, and, and if anything, it enhances it, so I'm excited to you know chat about you know saving extreme amounts of money by limiting your spending. Uh, and how, how to do that without <laughs> ruining your happiness. So, uh, so yeah, without further delay, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Frugalwoods, thanks a lot for being here. Oh, yeah, thanks for having us on. We're excited. So uh, for those of uh, my listeners that may not know frugalwoods.com, uh, could you guys just tell a little bit about yourself and uh, you know how Frugalwoods came about? So we are uh, Mr. and Mrs. Frugalwoods, and Frugalwoods is all about our journey to financial independence and a homestead in the woods. So we talk a lot about the things that we do to create a joyfully frugal life. And we talk about our desire to live amongst the trees in the woods of Vermont. And it's kind of just a romp through what our lives look like on a day-to-day basis and the kinds of things that we think about and the philosophies that we espouse and the really granular stuff that we do too, like how we wash our own dog and take our lunch to work every day. Yeah, and it's also sort of a debunking of the idea that it has to be prodigiously expensive to live in a city. Um, so we live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston, a very high cost of living area. Um, and other than our our mortgage, um, we spend very little, and we have a really good time doing it. And so I think the blog often serves as a chronicle of how to have a really good time for not very much money while living in a big city and saving a bunch of your income so you can run away to the woods, um, which is sort of the whole plan. Nice, yeah. Uh, Cambridge is such a cool town as well. It must be a, it must be a lot of fun to live there. Um, I used to live in Brookline, Mass., but uh, it was always fun to get over to Cambridge and check it out every once in a while. So, what do you what do you guys do for fun then? If you're uh, if uh, you don't spend much money in Cambridge, which I know you could spend an absolute fortune. So, all sorts of things. I mean, we so we have a dog um, and frugal hound, mm-hmm. uh, and she, she was a retired racing greyhound. Makes plenty of appearances on the blog, um, and so we often find ourselves doing things with her. So whether it's like walking her around or getting together with other dog owners and hanging out. Um, you know, there's all sorts of out during the summer. One of the things I love about new England is that new Englanders know how to take advantage of the summer. Um, if it's nice weather outside, people are outdoors. Um, and so there's all sorts of different things that go on all the time that we get to go to for free, um, and hang out and meet our neighbors and do things like that. We also tend to host a lot of potlucks, um, that's been one of the things that we found to be a really good 
way of getting around a very common expense in the city, which is going out for drinks or going out for dinner with other people. Because I think a lot of people think that frugality is isolating um, because people think you have to spend money in order to hang out with friends. Um, and certainly, you know, some money is spent um, in pursuit of hanging out with friends. Um, you know, our grocery bill might be higher because we, we hold potlucks. But it's a great way of having that same benefit um, while spending less money. Um, and so we, we hold a lot of potlucks, too. I'm looking oh, forward to the ultimate uh, potluck as well, which uh, uh, Mr. 1500 from 1500 Days uh, likes to call frugal Woodstock when you guys ever eventually make it to Vermont. Uh, we're looking yes. forward to the biggest potluck of all with frugal Woodstock. So Yes. No, I think that's actually a great example of how frugality has actually brought us a larger community of friends and of people that we know both here locally, but also just around the country and around the world that, you know, there's, there really is a, a group of people who are interested in focusing on things that don't have to do with spending money and interested in focusing on, you know, what the good life really is. And I think for us, we've also just espoused a lot of frugal hobbies over the years. So hiking, yoga, cooking, doing home improvement. Well, that's, you know, kind of a necessity perhaps more than a hobby, but I think we find that frugality really lends itself to being entertaining because you have to be so much more creative when you don't just take the easy solution and pay for everything to be done for you. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It makes you much more interesting people than, yeah, exactly. Anybody can pay to do something, but to learn how to do it yourself and yeah, help others do it as well is, is a great thing. So were you always as frugal as you are now? I know you on the blog, you call you guys, you call yourselves frugal weirdos and things like that. And you have <laughs> a, a really high savings rate, which I think your most recent update was something like 71 plus percent. Uh, mm -hmm. but when you factor in like 401k contributions, you're actually talking like 93% or something. Is that right? Yeah. So it depends on how you calculate it on our blog. We sort of lay out our our method for calculating a savings rate i know the internet loves to have little internet fights about like the best way to calculate a savings rate and, <laughs> you know we have our own preferred method but everyone else's is fine too right. um but what it comes down to is is we both have make very good solid incomes um middle class not middle class upper middle class um we both have white collar jobs um but neither of us are investment bankers um in fact we both work for nonprofits, um and so we have managed to, you know, rapidly advance our career uh, and get to the point where we're making a very solid income, but and then saving almost all of it, um, so that very soon now, in the next couple of years, uh, we won't have to work at all for income, um, and we can, you know, pursue our our passions full time. Um, but as to, you know, whether we have always been frugal, I think both of us naturally started out pretty frugal. I've always thought of frugality like if you start if you think about frugality as a scale from like 0 to 10 where like 0 is the most spendiest person imaginable and 10 is like, you know, living in a van down by the river, which some days honestly I think that's that's kind of, would be kind of nice. Um if it's a nice river. If it's a nice <laughs> van. Um but uh you know, some people have their have naturally are somewhere along that scale. I think everyone is. For us, we were probably already naturally at like a 7. And maybe we've turned that up to a nine by really paying attention to it. So for us, it wasn't that much of a change to sure. become as frugal as we are. Um, but we started out pretty frugal. Um, 
Right. I don't know. Like when we, when we first got married, we lived in a, we could have afforded a much nicer apartment, but we chose to live in a very dark, um, somewhat dank basement apartment, um, for years because it was affordable. Um, it allowed us to save money. Um, Yeah, and because I think some people say, oh, how are you doing this so quickly? You know, you just decided to work on this path and decided to start down this path in the spring of 2014, and you plan to be there by 2017. But the thing is, we've really been living this way for over 10 years. You know, we've never had debt other than the mortgage that we have on our, our primary home, and we've never been very spendy people. I think neither of us has ever derived much pleasure from the simple act of spending. So we've, we've spent more and less money over the years, and we certainly used to have a, high, a lower savings rate. But I think it's kind of we've always had that internal psychological feeling that money is a tool and that money does not replace human emotions or success or happiness that it's really a vehicle that you can use to extract the type of life that you want. Yeah. And I will say too, that the, I can see several periods of our life where we were more or less frugal. And I think it relates to whether or not we had a goal or not for our savings during that, that point of time. So when we first got married, our, our goal, like I think a lot of people was to buy a house eventually. And so we buckled down and we're very frugal and we saved save money because buying a house in Cambridge, Massachusetts, is not a cheap affair. Um, even if you do it carefully. Um, and we bought a house three, three years ago, three and a half years ago. Um, and after we bought the house there for a period of about a year, we started spending more money because I think we, we suddenly had lost that, that goal. We were naturally frugal people. And so we weren't, you know, we weren't, having getting credit card debt or anything like that, but we were spending more than we needed to. And when we came up with the goal of early retirement to a homestead, then suddenly it was very easy to be incredibly frugal again. Um, and I, I think for me, that was one of the most interesting realizations was that one of the keys to having, making frugality fun, I think is having that goal without having a goal at least for us, we felt rudderless. We, you know, we felt like we weren't, we were saving a bunch of money, but what we were, what were we going to do with it? Um, and, and now we have a really good answer. So, right. yeah, that's a huge point. Um, actually in some of my notes, you know, that I wanted to chat with you about, um, I think in one of your posts, you'd mentioned frugality with a larger aim. Um, and I think that's definitely key because it doesn't feel like deprivation at all. If you're working towards something that's bigger and better than, you know, what you may be sacrificing in the short term. And, and I know I'm, I'm frugal as well. And, you know, it doesn't even feel like sacrifice anymore, but to, to outside people looking in, um, it makes absolutely no sense when there's no larger aim. And, and like for people like my wife who wasn't really on board with the whole early retirement thing, she's like, why would I do that? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy with my job. I don't see what, you know, would save all this money now for what, when I'm going to keep working. But then, yeah, when it was like sort of reframed as like, well, well, we could do this and this and this with our lives if we just saved, you know, a ton of money. Uh, and then it was, then it made sense to her. And yeah, it was, a, it's a lot easier to just be working towards a big goal, which is, I think it's a huge point. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so let, let's just talk a little bit about your plans. Uh, obviously I want to dive a little deeper into, you know, how you're getting there and things, but, uh, you know, maybe some people, 
haven't read and don't know uh, the big homestead plan. So could you just yeah talk a little bit about what, what you see uh, yourselves doing after early retirement? Sure. So we, it all started a couple years ago when we were sitting down and we, we said to ourselves, you know, we're approaching 30 at that point. I may have been already been 30. Yeah. Um, but we've been in the workforce for almost 10 years and we were looking at ourselves and thinking, is this really what we want to do for the next 30 years? Um, and call it a third life, third of life crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, hopefully it wasn't a midlife crisis. <laughs> hopefully we have, you know, we're not quite at the midpoint of life yet, but it was a really a real realization that life was going by really fast. Um, we sort of gotten into the groove with our careers and with our, our home life. Um, and both of us kind of looked at each other and realized that we could very easily wake up the next day and be 55 and doing the same exact thing. Um, and both of us didn't really understand why, but we didn't feel like that was what we wanted. Uh, and the more we talked about it, the more we realized that we, both of us have a, a very intense desire to pursue a myriad of different, not very revenue positive, um, things. Um, Mrs. Fruwoods loves to write, uh, and she loves, loves, loves to write. And, you know, writing can bring in some money, but as plenty of writers would tell you, you know, if you hope to have writing as your like lifetime income, um, you know, it, it can be a tough road. And for me, I have so many completely worthless, but so much fun hobbies, um, (laughs) that I don't have any time currently to, to put time, put time towards, um, you know, amateur astronomy, amateur radio, um, welding and metalworking, things like that, that I would love to spend more time at, but don't, can't currently. So combine that with the other part of our, our plan, which is that we have, we've always been, we've always loved hiking and we've always loved being in the outdoors. And one day we were sitting and talking to each other and we were like, if we, if we could snap our fingers and have exactly what we wanted, you know, we would live in the woods, you know, we would live in a beautiful location and the sort of place where every morning, if we felt like it, we could walk out our front door and take a hike. Um, that's just it. And for both of us, we were, we looked at each other and we were like, yeah, that's, that would be it. That's what we would choose. And the more we thought about it, the more we were like, we could actually do that. <laughs> right. It was, it, it was just a really weird feeling. Um, because we, at that point we were thinking of it in terms of like, what would we love to do when we retire someday? And then we were like, what if that someday was in like three years? Right. Uh, and then we kind of looked at each other with like the, you know, the, the Neo from the Matrix face of like, whoa. Uh, and, and that's kind of where it started, where we were like, if we actually buckle down, if we increase our savings rate and, and lower our expenses rate, um, we can make this happen. And so from there, the plan coalesced pretty quickly. We decided that we wanted a, a large amount of space, so 20 plus acres um, in somewhere in Vermont, um, either Southern or central Vermont, um, close enough to civilization and grocery stores and everything else that we wouldn't be so disconnected. Um, but far enough out that we could own a lot of land, um, and pursue our various passions, um, full time. Um, and so that's where we're headed. And our plan is to be full time, no longer employed, um, by 2017, mid 2017, 
which is not that far away at this point. Uh, it it right. seemed farther away a couple years ago, um, but now it's really coming up. Uh, it's pretty exciting to see the plan coming together. And yeah, you guys document all your uh, homestead searching on, on your blog, which I'll link to in the show notes, obviously, and uh, everybody can check out what it what goes into searching for a homestead in Vermont. Um, I'm just sad I'm not going to be there to live in there anymore and be in your neighbors because that would be a lot of fun. But um, mm -hmm. no, it sounds like an amazing plan. And uh, do, does your work or your employers know of these, uh, you know, longer term plans or have you kept them quiet? Well, we initially kept them quite quiet, but uh, earlier this year we had some media attention that, um, you know, apparently people read Forbes and <laughs> they happen to read about us and say, is this you? And I couldn't very well say no, <laughs> so, but it's like clearly me and my dog. So we that sort of cat came out of the bag i would say cat is way out of the bag <laughs> oh, that's yeah i uh, i got mentioned I, I had an article on forbes and i just went i saw that there's a bunch of traffic coming in from forbes one day and i went to forbes.com and my stupid face was smiling right back at me <laughs> and i freaked out like it was the worst day ever because i was in the office at the time and i'm like oh. you know i don't i don't worry about anyone i know reading mad scientist because it's small enough but like yeah forbes.com right. is like big and I could just imagine my boss in there being like, what, what, what is he saying? And I, I didn't say very nice things about, you know, dealing with managers and things. So I was like, <laughs> it wasn't a good situation. So I can't even imagine what that felt like for you. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it turned out actually fine. Um, I think it helps that I've always been known as sort of the, the money and financial nerd in my office. So honestly, I don't think people were that surprised. Um, I'm the person actually every year who volunteers to give a talk about why saving for retirement is really important and how to choose like why index investing is a good idea. Nice. And so, you know, I think my office wasn't totally surprised. It is sort of an awkward situation though, where I'm saying, you know, I, I plan on being here for a couple more years, but I'm probably leaving, you know, in 2017, it's a long way away. Um, but it's not. Right. And so, and I, I manage people. And so I think it's a, it's an unusual situation, but everything everybody's taking it pretty well. Um, again, I was I was always pretty unusual, so I think that <laughs> that helps. But it, very true. You know, it's uncomfortable. Like it's kind of weird, but it's yeah. fine. But uh, you know, at the same time, I think we realize when you write things and put them out on the internet, eventually people are going to find out, and we yeah. knew that that would eventually be the case. So it's, I think, what kind of is the comfort is that we are just have always been very honest on the blog and very transparent and we don't make things up. And so I'm not uncomfortable with anyone reading the blog. You know, my family reads it. I don't know if my boss reads it, but that's fine because it's what I believe, you know, and I really don't have a problem with standing behind that and behind what I write. Yeah. And for me too, it was actually interesting because the whole experience of kind of being unveiled in the office made me think more about what I felt about, working in an office and more about, you know, sort of my motivations for, for wanting to, to move to something else in the future. And what it came down to is, I mean, I honestly really enjoy my job. Uh, I have a good time. I work with cool people doing interesting work. Um, I get paid well for it. Uh, and I think any, a lot of people would look at that situation and be like, well, why would you, why would you want to stop doing that? Um, and there's some logic to that, right? Um, 
there, it's certainly not a bad situation. It's not like I go to work every day and I'm like, Oh God, this is terrible. Like I can't wait to leave. I, I don't like I get to do really neat stuff all the time, which is fun. Um, but that being said, I don't want to do that 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Right. Um, and I just, I have more interests than just this. Uh, I think it's really cool to get paid for one of your interests. Um, but I think it's, from from my personality, it's hard to let one particular interest, even if I like it a lot, take up that amount of my life. Um, and so it, what it really made me realize is that, man, if I if I feel like this is wrong for me when I have it this good at work, it's a good sign that the whole idea of working one 40, 50, 60-hour-a-week job for the rest of my life is probably really bad for me because – I can't imagine having a better workplace. I really can't. I mean, I basically designed my perfect workplace. Yeah, I don't workplace. think it would be possible for you to have a better and so, <laughs> and so at the end of the day, if I feel like I'm not fully fulfilled by this, there's no standard job out there that would, that would give me the fulfillment that I'm looking for. And so that actually made me feel more comfortable in, in mo- eventually moving on from that because I felt like if I can't be fully fulfilled here, I wouldn't, wouldn't be fully fulfilled anywhere. Um, and for me, that's, that makes me feel better about the decision. Definitely. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's an excellent position to be in. Do you think, um, do you think you started to enjoy your job more now that you are getting closer? Do you think that's played a part? You know, you don't feel trapped there, uh, for the next 30 years. So do you think you've started enjoying it more because of the savings that you've built up or do you think it, you would have liked it just the same, no matter if you had $0 in the bank? You know, I was thinking about this the other day actually, and I, I honestly think I'm a better employee now that I don't have, you know, I mean, shackles are, are way too strong of a word, but I, I don't have a, a better one at this point. But feeling like you are, you know, you are economically tied to a job, I think is an unusual, produces an unusual dynamic in a, in a workplace. And I think I feel more enabled to take risks Mm-hmm. Um, which I think, you know, a good, a risk, well, well thought out can be a really good thing to, to do in a lot of cases in business. And I feel like I'm in a much better position to be, to do that sort of thing now than, than I used to be. I, I'm less risk averse in all parts of my life now than I used to be. It's funny how having a financial cushion can allow you suddenly to, to feel like you could take risks in all parts of life, um, and be, be fine with it. Um, and it turns out taking risks often leads to lots of neat rewards. Um, so it's been Absolutely. a good thing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I, I find myself being a lot more honest as well. Um, I don't, you know, I don't worry about stepping on somebody's toes and pissing somebody off because um, I, I just don't care. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's really like the office space scenario where, you know, he's just telling Bob and Bob exactly what he thinks and he's just not coming in and doing stupid things and, and then they love him. Um, and that's really what I found as well. It's like, cause everybody else is so scared and so timid and yeah, they don't speak up when something's obviously wrong and then it, you know, it turns into a disaster. But, um, when you have yeah that sort of power and freedom and carefree attitude, uh, you can take more risks and you can tell the truth and, and then you get glowing performance reviews, which is <laughs> weird but funny. So it's the it's the Tao of Peter Gibbons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, yeah, that, that movie is so much uh, deeper than I ever realized. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, that's awesome. So I want to get back a little bit to the frugality aspect. You know, people think extreme frugality, and they think you can't really do anything. But 
Uh, Mrs. Frugal Woods, I know you got a free grad degree, just I think in a similar sort of situation that I was able to get one. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I decided a couple of years ago that I wanted to get my master's. And so I started sort of scanning around, all right, how can I do this? Because I'm obviously not going to pay for it. I'm not going to go into debt. You know, we didn't have any undergrad debt. So I wasn't about to take on any for grad school. And I realized that if you work full time at a university, they will pay your tuition. So I set about doing that. So uh, Mr. Fugelwoods and I were moving to Washington, D.C. for his job. And so I just applied for jobs at universities and I got one and then I had to be accepted into the graduate program. So I applied and I was accepted and, um, I ended up working full time and going to school full time, which is, I don't know that I recommend that schedule per se, but I really wanted to just get it done as quickly as I could and as efficiently as possible. And you do still have to pay tax on graduate education. You don't on undergraduate education if you're working at a school, but you do for grad school. However, it's, you know, it's a fraction of the sticker price of the degree. So that was just kind of one of those ways in which we always look for an opportunity not to pay full price. And I think that's really how we approach most things, that there's usually a hack or some kind of strategy that you can employ to reap savings. And there's often just an efficiency that you can create there as well, because working at the school and going to school is a lot easier than, you know, trying to work somewhere else and then commute over to school every night. So thinking strategically about all of these big life changes for us has always been a part of our frugality and has, and has really just always been part of our personalities, I would say. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's we're, a, oh sorry, go ahead. We're optimizers. We're, we're degenerate optimizers. It's fun for us to figure out how to do something better, faster, and cheaper. Um, it's a game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, there's, that's, an, that's an excellent point. Um, yeah, because people think frugality, they think just, you know, deprivation and not doing things. But no. it's just a whole other way of looking at life and not oh, just yeah. assuming it's the, the paid way is the way to go. There's always another way. And usually oh. it's more fun. And yeah, like you said, it's easier and it was actually easy. Well, I don't know if full-time work, full-time school would have been a nightmare. I did full-time work and half-time school and that was tough. So I don't even know how you did that, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot easier than trying to hold down a job somewhere else and then trying to fit classes around that. Right. That's what I often find like with frugality that there's often a double or a triple benefit. It's not just saving the money. It's, you're going to reap an advantage, you know, in some other way. And whether it's your own personal creativity and fulfillment or the connections that you make with other people or skills that you develop or health or health. Sure. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing to me how, there are, I call them like the side benefits of frugality, like the fringe benefits, um, because it just shows up almost in every single aspect of our lives. Like it's so much healthier to cook your own food than to eat in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, fact, I mean, okay, all right. There are some restaurants that I'm sure are healthier, but by and large, cheaper, healthier, faster to cook at home. Right. Plus you're building that skill. Plus you're avoiding you know, all the other attendant expenses with eating out. No, that's a great point. Um, yeah, no, it's, there are just so many, and that's what I like most about, you know, like Mr. Money Mustache's message, like don't just pick the easy route, pick the harder route, not because necessarily it'll save you money, which in most cases it will, but 
just because, yeah, you're, there's so many other benefits and you'll grow as a person and, you know, you'll enjoy it even more if it's harder. So don't, don't Absolutely. pick the easy paid route. So, um, so yeah, so, I just want to dive a little bit into like investments and things. So you mentioned index funds. So I, I imagine a lot of your portfolios may be invested in low cost index funds. And you said you have a house in Cambridge that you're, uh, going to rent out after you move up to Vermont. Uh, is, uh, is that the pretty much the core of your investing uh, approach? Yeah, I mean, we have the world's most boring investment portfolio, um, which is kind of how I like it. Absolutely. Uh, if it's boring, then I can understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I feel like I always do better with things that I understand. Um, so our core, I mean, we, we run a very standard uh, Boglehead three fund portfolio. Um, so I think we do 60% broad market U.S. equities, 30% broad international non-us and 10 percent bonds slash cash mm-hmm. um i don't actually i don't think we actually have any money in bonds right now i think it's a, i'm holding in cash mm-hmm. um so but but yeah just a very standard index portfolio add money every month and and don't pay attention to the balance um that's sort of the rule the rule that we have um we both max out our 401ks um at our income level it's it's a no-brainer to take that that tax advantage. Um, both of our works have pretty decent 401k matching, so that's a really nice benefit that we've been able to use. It always it always boggles my mind um, when people don't take advantage of, of matching funds uh, in their 401k. Um, insane, yeah. It's it's just free money, and there's not many times in life where people will offer you free money. Um, so take it when it <laughs> when it offers. Um, and then we have obviously a taxable investment account um, that we that we keep the remainder of our money in that is just invested that way. Um, and you know, after we retire, we plan on doing a you know a Roth conversion ladder and things like that. Um, but you know, we really don't do anything very exotic right now. Um, and then the house. So the house is a good question. So we one of the reasons we bought our current place we when we were looking several years ago, um, was that we felt like it had very good potential to be a rental house someday. Um, we're located here in Cambridge about, about a half a mile from MIT and about one and a quarter miles from Harvard. Um, and so there's a very big rental population here, about 65% of residents in the city of Cambridge rent. Um, and so we can rent this place very easily. Uh, for very for a very good rate, even when we even when we bought it in 2012, we could have immediately turned around and rented the house and been cash flow positive. Oh, wow. uh, but today, I mean, the real estate market here has gone nuts for the past three years, um, and so today we can rent it and make you know make it a, a frankly ridiculous amount of money um, keeping it as a rental. So. For us, it's a no-brainer to keep it as a rental. Um, you know, if it turns out several years down the road that we hate being landlords, we could sell it and, and roll the capital gains into something else. Um, but I feel like our particular neighborhood is still very much on the way up. Um, it's still gentrifying, and so I think even the capital value still has a lot of room to grow. So we'll Great. keep it. That's excellent. It do you plan on managing it yourself from Vermont, or do you think you'll hire out to a property management company? We'll manage it at, at least at first. Um, I feel it. feel like we should try it. Um, you know, we're going to be we're going to be able to charge probably between 
$4,000 a month in rent. Wow. And, and I can't, I can't honestly see the value in paying a manager $400 a month. Right. Um, right. you know, I'm willing to wake up in the middle of the night a couple times in order to avoid, you know, paying somebody 400 bucks a month to answer the phone. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, that's true. You know, and I can call a plumber from Vermont just as easily as I, you know, a property manager can call a plumber from Cambridge. So, you know, I say all this now having not done it, so we'll see. <laughs> I'll come back in a couple of years and tell tell everyone how terrible being a landlord is. But <laughs> right, um, yeah, I'll have you back on the show. But at the same time, there's it's going to be so profitable that I think we're willing to put up with a certain amount of hassle um, compared to. And I've done the the calculations of you know would we if we were to sell it. Obviously, if we were to sell it soon, we would still have the capital gains exclusion on on the the profits which is a big deal. Right. Um, and if we could roll that money, put that money, you know, into the index funds, for example, um, would that be a better deal? And at the appreciation rate and the, the rental cash flowing rate that we're, we project we can get out of the house, it's still a much better deal to keep the house than, than put it into index funds. So That's great. we'll try it. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth the, worth the shot. It sounds like definitely. And yeah, having a place in Cambridge, which, you know, Harvard and MIT aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So, you would hope not. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's great. And uh, that leads to uh, the frugal baby that is on the way as well. So you guys you guys uh, <laughs> have lots going on these days. <laughs> we do. You know, we like to stay busy. It's funny. We, <laughs> we sort of joke that we always like to do everything in life at once. And we're, we're pretty good at that. So we always knew we wanted to have kids. And uh, we hoped to have baby woods even a little bit earlier than we are having her, but she's due in two and a half weeks. So, wow. you know, if we abruptly run off of podcasts <laughs> because we went into labor, so <laughs> we are, yeah, we're really excited to be parents and just very excited for kind of the adventure and the journey and the different experience that that's going to bring into our lives. That's cool. And have you, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. You know, what we found with pregnancy and baby prep is that it's exactly like everything else in life. You can do it really expensively or you can do it really frugally. And we have done it really frugally. And it's it's just entirely possible to spend, you know, almost nothing on pregnancy and baby prep. So it so, hasn't really moved the needle at all? Not so at far. all. Oh, that's great no, to hear. It's, it's funny. It's the sort of thing where everyone tells you, Oh my gosh, this is going to be the most expensive thing in your life. Um, and you know, I'm sure it will be, um, we don't spend a lot of money on other things. So yeah, it wouldn't be hard. It wouldn't be hard. Um, but it's also, I mean, we know people, we know people that are relatively frugal that by this point in their, their pregnancy had spent many thousands of dollars, um, on outfitting a nursery and, you know, all the myriad of little things that the books tell you, you must have. Right. Um, and we've managed to avoid that for the most part. What's our total spent so far on this? So baby? we have actually prepaid the copay for her birth. Nice. Uh, I, yeah. I learned from the hospital that, and this is a great like frugal weirdo tip. If you pay in full in advance for stuff, you can often get a discount like on anything. I did this with my LASIK surgery. We've done this with car repairs, anything. Anytime you say, Hey, if I pay you in cash now, will you give me a percentage off? They'll usually say yes. 
So we got 50 bucks knocked off of the birth of Baby Woods. So our copay was $450 nice. <laughs> for the birth, which is, you know, and that's low largely because we have good insurance and we're really fortunate to have that. So her entry to the world is paid for. And then we've spent 20 bucks on some clothes and other uh, baby things from a garage sale. So that brings us up to... Um, Four hundred and seventy dollars. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's yeah, that's inclusive of everything for pregnancy and prep for her. So we, it's it's we have entirely outfitted everything with hand me downs, and we've just been totally open to anything that anybody wants to give us. Boy clothes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, sheets that have cars and trucks on them. Hundred percent, right? Sure. Yeah, you know, it just does not matter. This kind of stuff is, in the grand scheme of things, is is completely immaterial. Uh, maternity clothes that you know maybe like aren't one hundred percent my style. Totally fine. So I didn't buy any maternity clothes. I just took the hand me downs that people gave me, and same thing with pretty much everything in her nursery. And it's you know a lot of it is it's just being creative and being open to what people might want to give you. And also just being, telling people, you know, if you have stuff you don't need, I will gladly take it. I'll come pick it up from your house. And they're usually very happy to get rid of it. This is what I've learned that when your kids, apparently when your kids turn about five, you know, you're not having more kids, you want that baby stuff out. So (laughs) we've, um, a lot of people have just very, very happily sort of dumped carloads of, of stuff with us, which we're so, so grateful for. Um, and I also discovered my local buy nothing group, which I highly recommend, um, anybody check out. It's an international organization that is just all about neighbors freely giving to each other. And so I've given away a ton of stuff through the group and I've received just, um, a huge amount of things for baby woods and it's no money changes hands. There's no sort of recording of who gives or takes what it's all about just freely sharing with your neighbors. And I think it's a wonderful thing because, you know, there's just too much stuff mm-hmm. that is manufactured and bought. And nine times out of 10, you have something that someone else can use and you can just share it with them. That's amazing. So is that a, is there a specific website to, to find these types of groups or? Yeah, they're run through Facebook. So you can just check to see if there's a local chapter in your area. And if there isn't one, you can actually just start one yourself. I think there is through. a website describing yeah. the idea. Is it like buynothing.org buy or something? Buynothingproject.org. Well, we can Google it. Yeah, I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, yeah, that's is, really cool. It's really neat, too, because it's it's it also uh, lowers the barrier for decluttering your own place. Um, yes. Because... Instead of like, especially in the city where it's like, okay, you've got to try and like get a car to get your stuff to Goodwill and then you can't park at Goodwill. So like one person stays in the car while the other one like tries and runs stuff in and double parked and people are <laughs> at you. We've done this. You can <laughs> tell. Yeah. And, and with buy nothing, you just post it on, on Facebook and someone from your neighborhood comes over to your house and takes it away. Yeah. Um, and they are always like super excited to have it and you're super excited to get rid of it and everyone wins. It's been ideal for getting rid of kind of bigger bulky stuff that we've wanted to give away that, you know, again, people come and take it or even perishable things, you know, people give away food. I've given away toiletries that we're not going to use, you know, that I bought like the wrong brand. And of course I got 20 of them from Amazon. So (laughs) Just that kind of stuff that you would normally throw in the trash. I am so happy that it goes into the hands of someone who can use it. My favorite thing on buy nothing is that people uh, 
when they're going on vacation or about to take a trip, will post the entire contents, like everything in their refrigerator that yeah. is going to go bad before they get back. Right. It's like, does anyone want this half gallon of milk? Right. Or, you know, right. here's a couple of bananas. And people um, take it yeah, every single time. And I just think like there could not be a better way to create community and to go through life than to be so focused on not wasting and on sharing. I just... I just think it's amazing. So. That is amazing. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, I'm going to have to check it out to see if there's anything in Scotland like that because yeah. that's, that's incredible. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I don't, yeah, don't want a baby to start popping out or something. So I'll start wrapping <laughs> We're doing this okay. up. okay. <laughs> it doesn't start. happen that fast. You just <laughs> okay. see, yeah, I don't know how it works. I haven't, I haven't read about it or anything. So <laughs> I just, don't, don't read about it until you have to. <laughs> right. That's probably good advice too. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I usually end all my interviews just, uh, you know, if you had one piece of advice for someone, uh, you may be maybe starting on the path to financial independence or maybe, you know, just need some motivation or something, what would that be? Well, I think we found, we found the entire process so much easier once we had a concrete goal. I think having the goal Without having the goal, I don't think our frugality would be nearly as entertaining, honestly. Um, and I also think that having a goal is a wonderful boon to our relationship um, because we we love to work together towards something, and this is sort of the ultimate thing to work together towards. Um, and so, I I think having a concrete goal, not just a goal that like I hate my job, I want to quit, you know, and and still have money. Um, but having a goal that's broader than that, what do you want to do once you're, once you're retired? What do you want to do once you're financially independent, writing it down, researching it, planning for it, making it, you know, almost real enough that you can touch it. That's just the sort of motivation that can allow you to look at the rest of your life and realize what's keeping you from that goal, um, and then optimize it. And that, that's, what's worked for us. And that's what I would encourage people to try. Yeah, that's, that's excellent advice. I, uh, I actually just interviewed Todd Tresseter from financialmentor.com. Um, and I don't know if that's going to go out before this one or after, but, um, one of the things he had said is, yeah, retiring to something is a lot better than retiring from something because, mm. uh, you know, once you retire from something, then you're sort of left, you know, what, well, what do I do now? And you're like, well, I'm not as happy as I thought I would be, you know? Yeah. I got rid of my job that I didn't want, but you know, there's really no point to life right now. And then you get, you know, depressed and maybe just go back to work and things like that. But if you're retiring to something, um, then you're, you have a much higher success rate and you're a lot happier. So I think that's, that's uh, amazing advice. Um, yeah. I, I, I have a, I have a long list of things I want to do. And some of the things on there sound pretty crazy. Like one of the, (laughs) one of the things on the list is build eight meter satellite dish to bounce radio waves off of moon. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I I plan on being well occupied. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Hopefully that takes place before frugal Woodstock because I want to see, I want to see the setup. That's right. Yeah, maybe you can help him with that. Uh, you guys can work on that together when you go. <laughs> the ultimate party bouncing radio waves off the moon. That would be pretty awesome. Uh, right. Mrs. Frugal Woods, would uh, would you agree with that, or is there anything you'd like to add? Or are you are you, uh, are you are you in full unison with Mr. Frugal Woods on the on the? I am. I am in full agreement on that. I think it's very much about what do you want your life to look like. What do you actually want to do? 
what do you want to look back and say, oh, these are all the things that I tried and that didn't work out, but gosh, it was interesting and it was fun to do those things rather than, well, I had sort of this boring, conventional, safe existence. And for us, it's like, yeah, let's do some stuff in life. Let's do what we really feel called to do. And I also think there's something very powerful about when you're doing what you are really meant to do, you put a lot of good out into the world and you're able to help people and impact people because you feel good and you're positive and you're contributing in your own personal way. Whereas if you're sort of slogging away at this job that you really don't enjoy, you're probably not generating a lot of goodwill and joy on a daily basis. So that's another focus for me is thinking about, you know, how can I sort of give back and find ways to translate the happiness that I've discovered into a happiness that other people can find. And I think for so many people, money is kind of the core of what makes them unhappy or what they think makes them unhappy and finding a way to turn money into something that's liberating and that's freeing as opposed to, you know, something that's kind of a depressing topic is important for me too. No, that's great. Very well put. Um, now, if, if people want to find you, and uh, they can obviously go to frugalwoods.com. Uh, is your email address there, or is there anywhere else that you'd... It is. Yeah, you can always reach us, team at frugalwoods.com. We are also on Twitter, at frugalwoods. We're on Facebook. Um, I think it's like facebook.com slash frugalwoods. We're on Instagram as Frugal Woods. Basically, we're just, <laughs> it's not very creative. Like, it's just the word Frugal Woods everywhere. <laughs> so just... you, can, you can find us. We have a lot of dog pictures. And, I know. I can't uh, wait to meet Frugal Hound. Uh, oh, is the coolest looking dog on the internet, I think. Why, thank you. Our little, like, she looks kind of like a deer or a raptor. <laughs> Greyhounds are just awkward. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but they make for some hilarious photos, especially when you dress them up as mummies and things as you've uh, been doing recently look like wrapping her in a roll of toilet paper <laughs> the best use of a roll of toilet paper i've had i've had in a long time <laughs> i know that was a genius idea <laughs> justin from root of good was said oh well, are you gonna reuse that toilet paper I was like, no <laughs> we're not gonna reuse the toilet paper come on there's a limit you know <laughs> right. that's amazing um and you you also do a podcast too every once in a while right mrs I do. I'm on the uh, Financially Blonde Martinis in Your Money monthly happy hour podcast where we um, talk about uh, various different topics. And it's primarily focused on issues that uh, women face. Uh, you know, I think that women kind of have a unique set of, of relationships with money. And there's, there are a lot of stereotypes about how women handle money. And we sort of debunk that and we talk about how you can be a financially savvy woman, whether you're in a partnership or not, and, and just how you can create a really meaningful life. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I, uh, I cut some of your uh, live uh, broadcasting at FinCon and it was pretty amazing. You guys were all drinking martinis and having some really amazing discussions about funny things so i will link yeah, to all... you're pretty silly <laughs> yeah it was good i will so i'll link to all of that all of the frugal woods all over the internet twitter facebook instagram <laughs> <laughs> and uh and that podcast in the show notes um but yeah i just wanted to thank you both so much for taking the time to talk with me um i'm busy tie-dyeing all my clothes in preparation for frugal woodstock so hopefully that awesome. that goes down soon and uh Excellent. yeah best of luck with the baby and uh thanks again i really appreciate it 
Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. All right, see you guys. Bye. Bye. Finance. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.